Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Good morning, good morning. We're going to stay standing just for a moment. Um, It's a joy to be here, my second time now in Liverpool. Uh, The reason for coming back is not the great architecture, though it's great. It's not the Beatles, though they were great. For me, it is Liverpool One. It is the house of God. That's the reason why we find ourselves here again, because I am, as Luke so kindly just explained, I am a church builder and I do love the church. And uh, I'm here with many years experience of building the church. And I want to add that into this house and establishing in this house what God wants to do in this part of the world. Um, And you know, the amazing thing about God's Word is no matter how you entered the room today, it will find you. God's Word finds you. It's this crazy, miraculous thing that I can open my mouth to say what God wants me to say to a room like this, but then God takes the Word and He actually makes it like an arrow into everyone's life, into the particular thing that God wants to speak to you about today. So though this is a Word we all hear, it will land differently because God is a personal God. And some of you don't understand that about God. You just think this God is somewhere up in heaven and this Bible is some book that's ancient. But the thing you need to understand is God knows you. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what you did last night, whether you're proud of it or not. He knows whether your life's in a mess or whether right now is a good time in your life. He knows everything. So when you put yourself in a seat to listen to Him, He's not going to speak over you or around you. He's going to speak to you. And that's what I'm praying today, that this Word will be so personal to you. And in the personability of the Word, there will be a miracle corporately for all of us too. So God, we thank You that You are a speaking God. You're not a God that is an idol that is dead. You're not some lifeless entity that we worship. You are living within us. You are the very breath within our lungs. And God, You love us so much that You gave us Your words, that Your words would be the lamp unto our feet and the light to our path. And today, God, I just pray that people would understand in a fresh way just how personal You are, just how involved You want to be, that God, this Word today would hit home in every home. And God, we pray that through Your Word today, our lives would look more like You and this house would be bigger and better because of Your voice into it today. In Jesus' Name, Amen and Amen. You may take your seats. Thanks, guys. So after three decades of building church and giving my life to do this thing that we are doing this morning, giving my life to serving in every area you can imagine of church I have served in. I think I've got to a place where now, because I feel I'm like getting to that place where I'm a little older, I've sat back and I've done some reflecting on what I believe the church has done well and what we've not done as well. 
things that we've spoken into and given, you know, great chapter and verse on, and maybe some things that we've not as much given chapter and verse to. And I think one of the things that I think the church has done a good job around the world when I have been part over three decades is we've done a good job about talking about how God is a restorer of the broken. I think we would all agree if we've been in church for any length of time that we've heard messages about how God can bind up the brokenhearted, how He can restore those that feel broken on the inside, how He heals the broken body, how He puts together the broken life, that God came for the broken and we've spoken a lot about that and the restoring power of God. We even have messages and songs that reflect that. We sing songs about God healing the broken. And I think all of us at one point were there where we needed that message so much. It was the turning point for our lives to find a restorer in our brokenness. And if that is you today, then God has the same grace that He extends towards your life, that He is the restorer of your brokenness. And so I think on this subject, we've done a good job, but I have also observed that actually because we have talked about God being the healer of the broken, many times we'll come into a building like we have today, we'll sit in a church service like you are today, and we will say to ourselves, oh, I don't feel broken anymore. So this message is not for me. I don't have need of that restoration in the way I once did. And so I kind of can zone out now because I'm not in that same place. But what I've discovered is in the church at any given time, I think there is a much higher percentage of people that are not necessarily broken, but there is something wrong. And today I want to speak to that percentage in the room who you'd say, I'm not broken. I'm going to say, yeah, you might not be broken, but I have a question. Maybe, just maybe, you are out of order. I want to speak about our lives when they get out of order. Have you ever seen a machine, a vending machine, and the lights may be on and you can see that there's actually merchandise inside it. And maybe you're thirsty and you need a bottle of water and you go up to the machine and though it looks like it's working, there's a small sign that is attached to it that lets you know, hey, this machine is out of order. It's kind of working, but it's not fully working. The lights are on, but if you put your money in, you're probably not gonna get water. There's some Something about this that is not fully aligned and so it's not functioning in the way it was designed to function. Today that is where I believe so many of our lives sit. That actually the lights are on, but something's out of order. That actually we're in the place, but there's something out of place. That actually we position ourselves and say that we love and serve God, but there's something often out of order in our life. There's an area that is out of alignment. And today, God wants every single one of us to get our life back in order, aligned with God's order for our life, because many of us are functioning, but we are not flourishing. We are surviving, but we are not thriving. Some of your marriages are existing, but they are not flourishing in that area. Your relationship with your kids, it's working, but it's kind of also not working. Your relationship with God, it's, it's on, but at the same time, it's off. And we've got to get to a place where we understand that actually God has called us to live a life that is fully in order, that He's called us to actually have a life that has a set of priorities that are actually decided not by our feelings or people's opinions, but by the Word of God. 
Let me illustrate for you today, because you know me, I love a good illustration. You know, if I was to say that this was kind of like your life, right? This jacket is like your life and you get up every day and you put your life on. And this is your relationships and it's your relationship with the church and it's your relationship with God and it's a relationship with your family and it's your job and it's your finances. This is your life and every day you put it on. And, and some of you, when you put your life on, it, it kind of fits, but the best way for me to describe what it looks like is it, it kind of looks like this. It's on, but it's off. Right? Like, like, like my, I'm doing life, but something about my life. And the truth is, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter who you talk to, unless you are willing to take what is in the wrong place and put it in the right place, you will never get back the order that God ordained for your life. Unless you're willing to make what should be the top button, the top button, and move the other things that you put as the top button further down, you'll never find the order that God has for your life. Not in your finance, not in your relationships, not in any area of your life, because God is a God of order. He is not a God of chaos. He is not a God of in one day, out the next. He is not a God of up and then down. He is not a God of shake it all around. God is a God of order. And if your life feels a little like this, you need to understand there's something in the top button that is wrong. If success is your top button, then stress is guaranteed. If people pleasing is your top button, then exhaustion is gonna follow you. There's only certain things in life that should have this place and this priority. And I think the church across the globe after COVID and a pandemic suddenly realised we had a lot of things in the wrong place. We put our importance in a lot of stuff that God doesn't even think is important. I'm sure a lot of you seen on social media, this revival that they're saying has broken out in one of the universities in America. But the simplicity of this revival is honestly that people are putting things back in order that were out of order. That actually are putting the sovereignty of God over the, our circumstance, that the worship of Him just simple and pure above all the noise and performance, that actually the bending of our knee is more important than the standing on our gifts and talents and God's like, when you get in order, my presence begins to anoint like hot oil at the top of the head that flows down to the base of your feet. So today, where do you need to stop the grind and find the grace? Jesus knew what his top button was. It was non-negotiable. Jesus was not stressed out. It freaks me out when I think about it. I mean, think about it. I've been thinking a lot about this. Jesus came, He had three years of public ministry, just three. He had kind of a big deal job description. By the way, you're the saviour of the world. Last time I checked, no one in this room has that job brief. You're not the saviour of the world, so stop acting like you are, okay? There's only one person that was given that job. But I have read my Bible from cover to cover. I've looked at every version of my Bible and I find nowhere a paragraph that says, Jesus was so stressed out at all of the things He had to get done. He said to His disciples, boys, 
rearrange the healings on Friday because I overrun in my meeting on Wednesday. I can't make it to the well today because I have a different person I need to see that I didn't get to on Tuesday. I can't have time with you disciples today because I am stressed out from all the people that have wanted my attention. I can't find it anywhere. I don't see Jesus stressed out, freaking out, losing his temper. In fact, I see him doing the exact opposite. It's like he's stopping in places where if I was Jesus with three years to get stuff done, I don't think I'd be hanging out at a guy's house who was hiding in a tree. I don't think I'd be sitting at a well talking to a woman that seems a waste of my time when I could be talking to thousands. But Jesus didn't run his life like we run our lives. And he didn't want the disciples to run their ministry like the world around them ran theirs. He's like, I'm showing you something. There is a rhythm for your life. One of my favourite verses in the Bible is Matthew 11 verse 28. And in Matthew 11 verse 28, it talks about, are you tired, worn out? And everybody said, amen. Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. And then it says this, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Wait a minute. It just said that God was going to show us how to take a rest. And then the next words are work. How is that correct? Surely what you mean, Lord, is come to me and I'll show you how to take a sabbatical, how to take a three-week vacation, how to sit at home and watch Netflix all day. But it doesn't say that. God's saying there's a way to work with me that will put everything that is out of order back in order. And I'm here to tell you, Liverpool one, that you have a big vision. And this church has a big call and there are a lot of lives to reach and there's a lot of projects in your future. There's a brave heart going into an arena. There are more people to reach for Jesus. There are extenders of service and more training things to put on. And I'm letting you all that know that now so that you don't freak out when it happens, but you understand how to work with God so that you don't burn out by doing it in your own strength. So Jesus is like, modeling a life that has this rhythm of grace. He says, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't let anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Just keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus had a rhythm of grace. He was not chasing success or popularity. Jesus wasn't trying to have the top spot. Jesus wasn't trying to be the man. Jesus simply came and in John 6 verse 38, He made clear what His top button was. For I have come from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. If everything about your life is you doing what you want to do to get what you want to get, you're in trouble. There is no rhythm of grace to that kind of life. You don't need God if that's what you're gonna do. You're in charge of you. But when you come and you say, I only came to do one thing and that's not my will, but it's the one who sent me. And I'm gonna live from a place where I lay my life down so I can pick up the one that He intended for me to live. 
And so I want to give you some gold this morning. And I pray that you take note and I pray that you get a hold of this because it's taken me a long time to figure this out, okay? You're getting three decades of what I have found works and how you keep your top button, your top button. Some of you business people in here, this is gonna save your business, your marriage, your relationship, your, your encounter with God. I wanna give you three principles that for me are top buttons. I've realized when these buttons are in order, everything else finds its right place. And the first one is a principle that God taught me when I very first was called into ministry. I think it's interesting sometimes when you get around leaders to ask them, you know, when did you know that God was gonna use you in ministry? How did that look? What was it like? And I always feel a little embarrassed because God did give me a verse that called me into ministry. But if I'm honest, I would have liked to have given the verse back and had a more fantastic one. It wasn't exciting. It wasn't thrilling. It wasn't one where you go, wow. God took me to a story that shaped my life forever and it was in Exodus 14. And in Exodus, there's a story that plays out, Exodus 17, sorry, there's a story that plays out, which is the story of Moses and it's a story of of Joshua and it's a story of a battle. and, And so I remember God taking me to this story in Exodus 17 and I remember reading it and going, okay, God, I see it. There's a battle raging and you're calling me to be Joshua who gets on the front line and fights for victory. And I felt God say, no, you know Joshua. Okay, God, of course I'm not Joshua because in this story is also Moses. So clearly I'm the Moses in this story who was standing in that presence of God and was gaining the victory from heaven because he was anointed to stand in that place of authority. And I felt God say, no, you're not Moses either, Charlotte. And I was like, but God, there's only two of the people that are mentioned in this story. And to be honest, their jobs were pretty crummy because they were basically glorified armpit holders. And their names were Aaron and her, and I felt God say, yes, exactly what I want you to do for the rest of your life. I want you to fall in love with something that the church are not falling in love with. Everybody's enamored with having the shiny suit. Everyone's enamored in being the name, but no one is in love with actually what holds this thing together. And I realized in that moment that God was asking me to put a top button in my life, which was that mission must be greater than position. And if you wanna know how to live a life that is buttoned up correctly, you must understand that mission must always be greater than position. Your call is not about your position. It is all about God's mission. And so many are leaving the mission to chase a position. And every time that happens, we lose ground. I'm gonna ask my volunteers to come up here and help me illustrate this point. Here on this hillside in Exodus 17, it says that these three men were sent, Moses, Aaron, and her. And so on the top of the hill, it says that Moses' job was he had to lift his hands and whatever his hands were lifted with the, with the staff, whatever his hands were in this position, that, that down on the front line, Joshua was winning the battle. 
Everybody's looking at Joshua thinking he's doing a great job. But the truth is, if these arms began to be lowered, then whatever was going on down here, no matter how hard they were trying, the battle was lost. The victory was in the hidden place, not in the visible place. So Moses is up here and the Bible records that that God sends with Moses two people, Aaron and her, and their job is this, that when his arms get tired and they begin to lower, their job is literally to hold his arms. That's it. That's as exciting as it got, guys. And I'm pretty sure it was a hot day and I'm pretty sure back then they had no deodorant. And I'm pretty sure that he had some flapping garment on, which meant they were downwind of a very bad smell all day. And if they lost sight of the mission, they would very soon tire of their position. Because what about this is exciting? What about this puts my name in lights? What about this gets the attention of people? What about this gets me further or more followers on Instagram? What about this makes me more popular? The answer is nothing. And so what has happened in a generation, and I'm watching it with my own eyes, and so are many of you, is we began to leave the mission of the church, leave the mission of the Word, and we've all began to look for a position. And the enemy is very good at providing you opportunities. He actually doesn't mind giving you an opportunity if the opportunity begins to do this. And now I look like I'm serving Jesus. I look like I'm doing my thing for God. But the truth is I am chasing a position and I have forgotten about the mission. And the more that the enemy can do that, the more of us begin to back off. And then we wonder why the church stops winning and kingdom of darkness keeps advancing because we've forgotten that we are supposed to be about something bigger than our own personal agenda. And when you put your position over the mission, you don't just lose, but we all lose. You know, this church, has a mission, it has a cause. And this church needs therefore as many Aaron and hers to hold up the arms of the mission as possible. But if you're like, well, I'll come one Sunday, but you know what, next Sunday, there might be more opportunity over here. And you know what, well, maybe I'm in, but you know, also not really sure about it, didn't really feel it this week, so maybe I'm out. You know, well, they didn't put me on the main worship team and I might be able to do better over here, so maybe I'll go over there. Oh, Braveheart's coming, I'll come back, because that's a big platform and hopefully someone will give me a microphone. No, we're making it just like the world. And your marriage has a mission. And your parenting has a mission. And your business should have a mission. And your finances should have a mission. And your attending of church should have a mission. And if you lose sight of this, we all begin to lose. Thanks, guys. And so in this story that God gave me, I instantly understood at 15 years of age, okay, God, I get it. I just got to find missions and I've got to uphold their arms, which by the way, is why I'm here today. 
I'm not here today to do my thing. You won't find me selling any of my merch out in the foyer. You won't find me giving you a presentation of how great you should follow me on Instagram. I'm here because Liverpool One has a mission and the mission has leaders who need their arms upholding and God wants us to all be part of it because at the end of it, it's not Emma and Luke's idea, it's a God idea and we end up winning a city and we end up spreading a word throughout a nation and we all should get behind that and be part of that. And if you're bothered about where you sit in that, we won't. Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first. Hello? Top button. Top button. Seek first his kingdom and all that stuff that everyone's chasing. He'll find you. Seek first his kingdom and the relationship you desire. You'll bump into it. You don't want to bump into that person who thinks that you're the position. You want to bump into the person who's in love with the same mission. Because if you bump into the person who believes what you put on your dating app site about how great you are, if that's what they think that they're attaching to, you've got to keep that up. Good luck with that, buddy. If I'm attaching to the filtered version of your life, that's really scary because you can't keep that up. But when I'm attaching to the mission that as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, that actually I'm gonna seek first His kingdom and all that stuff. And let's just be honest, it is stuff. If you've ever been through a season of life and you've thought that you were gonna lose your life or you were literally at a place at death's door or you were battling a health scare or your child was seriously sick, you soon get a perspective of all that stuff does not matter. I just need my health. I just need to be well. You suddenly get a reality check and maybe today you need a reality check because all the things you're putting your time in are wearing you out where there's a grace that God says goes with working His way and working with Him. So where is it time to be more mission-minded than position-minded? David said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than spend my life in the promotional place of the wicked. I'd rather lay my life down for something that matters than run around thinking that I matter. If you put position first, you will always compromise mission. And if you leave your door of your life open and your ego open, you'll end up going for what flatters instead of building what matters. Jesus had one position and it was to lay his life down for a greater mission, which by the way, was you and I. So where do you need to get your top button back in order? Has church become something you might do? Is it optional? And we do love our friends at home in their pajamas eating their cornflakes, but we need you back on mission. We need you in the house of God. We need you building with the family of God. Church is not something you watch and, and click onto while you've got something else going on in the background and you'd unload in the dishwasher. No, it requires our full attention. But when church becomes an optional extra on Sunday, I'm telling you, we've lost sight of the mission and now we're more about my position that is more comfortable or offended or I don't feel like it. How are we ever gonna reach a world if we are all playing fast and loose with the mission that God said to lay our lives down for. 
second principle that I have committed to over three decades of serving God is that motivation must be greater than expectation. <laughs> it's amazing to me how we can get these two things mixed up. That actually we can live our life where expectation is actually higher up for us than our motivation. In other words, I will do this for you if you will do this for me. <laughs> I will show up if there's something that benefits me in showing up. I will give if there's something that I feel I gain back from my giving. I will attend if I feel what you put on services me in the way I want it to service me. And when we live our life based on expectation, we are open for manipulation. Someone just has to offer you more or extend more and you suddenly move from where God needed you to be to where the expectation is more likely to be met. Let me just give you a reality check. Imagine if Jesus put expectation above motivation. Well, I expect you to live a perfect life and then I'll send my perfect son. I expect you not to sin and if you don't sin, I'll let you in. I expect you to forgive all your enemies before I forgive anything that you've done that made you an enemy to me. I expect you to never fail me before I will never fail you. This whole gospel is not based on expectation, it's based on a motivation that God so loved the world that He gave. Not the world owed God, so He gave. The whole motivation was love. And if you don't have your motivation right, then you will handle people wrong. And we'll move our service from being sacrificial to being transactional. Jesus was not driven by expectation. He was driven by motivation. He didn't just forgive who he felt like forgiving or help who he felt was helpful. Jesus came and remember, he healed 10 lepers. And we all know the story because we remember that there was one that came back. But can I tell you something? Jesus would have healed all 10, whether one came and thanked him or none came and thanked him because Jesus wasn't healing them for a thank you. So why are we showing up at church expecting a thank you? Why are we putting money in the offering expecting a round of applause? Why are we going into kids' church saying, did you all see me? Did you see what I did? Do you appreciate me? Like, like, yes, we appreciate you, but get over you. You're high maintenance. And when our expectation goes before our motivation, then we do things according to our feelings instead of calling to our obedience. Luke 6 verse 31 says this, if you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? One of the mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? <laughs> this is the Bible, people. This is the Word of God. And we know in Matthew 22, when the Pharisees tried to test Jesus about priorities and they're looking for what He expects and what rules and regulations He wants us to follow, Jesus says, you don't get it. It's simple. You just need to love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. And then you need to go and love others as well as you love yourself. It should be a motivation, not an expectation. 
If you're here because Pastor Emma and Luke expect you to be here, it will get you thus far, but it will not get you where God wants you. Expectations cannot be the reason why we serve or we give. If they are, our life is out of order. Jesus loved us, loves you, forgives me, forgives you because He is motivated. Our service is not based on people's kindness. It's based on God's goodness. And we need to get the button right. If you're here with a list, if, you're, if in your marriage you've moved into expectation, well, if you say sorry, I'll say sorry. You're gonna be at a standoff. If my kids act a certain way, then I'll love them a certain way. If you do this for me, I will do that for you. Can I just let you know, your life will be out of order. Your marriage will be out of order. Your friendships will be out of order. Oh, I'll read my Bible because someone expected me to. No, I wanna read my Bible because I'm motivated to find out about the God that loves me. Well, I'll worship because now they expect me to. No, you should worship on Monday when no one's expecting you to because your motivation is to give Him all the glory and give Him all the praise. Oh, well, I'll give when I'm expected to in that special thing. No, our giving should come from a place where like, I'm motivated to give because it's who I am. Time's gone, but finally a third top button. We've got to put legacy over what's temporary. <laughs> Listen, I like Ikea. No guilt if you shop at Ikea. But how many of you know, what I buy from Ikea, I ain't handing down to my children's children. It ain't gonna be here. It's got nothing about legacy about it. It's completely built for the temporary. It's furniture that I can throw up to get me by in the moment that I need it, but it's not gonna be handed down for generations because it won't be able to sustain the wear and tear of generations. And when we live our lives with a temporary mindset, we're building Ikea churches and Ikea ministries and Ikea relationships. And I, listen, we've gotta get past that. You might say, well, I'm only in my 20s. Yes, you're in your 20s. What are you doing about legacy? Oh, I'll think about it when I'm 70. If we all did that, there'll be nothing left for the generations that are following us. If you're in here in your 20s, you should be teaching kids in their fives and 10 years of age. If you're in here in your 20s, you should be sowing money now into the future that follows you. Because guess what? You're sat in a chair that you didn't pay for. But somebody said, I'm gonna put my finances, I'm gonna put my faith into something that I may never even benefit from, but I'm gonna live with a top button of legacy, not temporary. If you're in this church with a temporary mindset, you will not get out of this place what God intended you to get. And I am inspired on a regular basis by the heroes of faith that it tells us about in the book of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, it tells us about these people that are our ancestors. I don't know what your natural family tree looks like, but your spiritual one is pretty awesome. And our, and our ancestors that went before us, it calls them heroes of the faith. What made them heroes? Well, I'll tell you what made them heroes. They didn't live with a temporary mindset. 
They didn't say, I'm just going to build my life so that me and my family are good. I'm just going to do my life so that me and our thing are taken care of. They live with a legacy mindset. And the Bible says that each of these heroes of faith, in Hebrews 11, He says, each of these people of faith, they died not yet having in their hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance and they waved their greeting and they accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. Our heroes in the faith lived with you in mind and with me in mind. They laid a life down so that other lives could follow after them. They invested so generations could find freedom. And can I say to you, in the nicest, maybe not the nicest, but from the nicest place, can I be honest with you, church? Some of you need to wake up. You need to wake up. Like we've just become church attenders. Like we just fill a seat and hope something in it helps me. That is not the top button. If it was the top button, I wouldn't be here this morning. I'd be with my children. If it was the top button, you wouldn't be going to the arena with Braveheart. You're not going to the arena because it's cool. We're going because we're trying to build something that is legacy over what's temporary. And can I just tell you, I did that with Cherish for many years and it is expensive and it is costly and it's exhausting, but there's a grace of God on it because God's like, I see you, you're becoming a hero in the faith. You're doing something that you can't afford in the natural. You're doing something that's costly in every area, but you know what? Thousands of lives are gonna be impacted and I've not met those lives. But one day I will in heaven meet those lives and they'll be like, thank God you didn't live with a Bradford mindset. Thank God you didn't live with a Liverpool mindset. Thank God you were a church who said for such a time as this, our top button will be legacy, not what temporary. And so I'm just gonna say it. Some of you need to get off your blessed assurance and financially so into what God's doing in this house. Some of you need to become givers and not just like I'll drop a penny in the offering or I'll give something, you know, when they really pressure me. No, I'm gonna live with legacy. Listen, you can't take it with you. <laughs> Why do you think I'm preaching? Like I'm putting a sweat on. Like, because I gotta get it out of me. I can't, I can't do this half-hearted. I can't do it half, half in, half out. I don't think that's what Christ did for you or I. He gave His all, He gave His all. And we're like, well, maybe I'll come next week. Maybe I'll come to Braveheart. Maybe I'll give my tithe. Maybe I won't. I'm like, guys, our world is in trouble and we have the answer. So let's start getting our top buttons right so that we can start living our life, not out of order, but completely in alignment with God. I want us to stand to our feet. Time's gone. And I don't know who in the room this is for. I believe it's for everyone in their own way. Some of you, this is for your marriage. It is out of order. Some of you, it's to do with your kids. You need to pick up the phone today and say, I forgive you. I love you. Not because they are expecting or meeting your expectation because your motivation is you just love and love can bring people back in a way that expectation cannot. 
Some of you need to go home and talk about your finances and your priorities and the legacy that you're leaving and where you're serving and how you're building. Because I tell you, you're asking God to fulfill a lot of needs and He's not answering and you're mad at God. And it's not that God doesn't want to answer you, but He knows if He answers you, it's gonna be in the wrong order. You're gonna think that's about you instead of it being about Him. You're gonna think that's for you instead of being about something bigger than you. So God can't put it in your hand yet until you have a revelation of the right buttons. So just with eyes closed all across the room, I don't know where this finds you today, but just where you are, just if you're saying, God, I know there's an area that's out of order, just, just where you are, just extend your hands. God, I know this to me is a challenge about my time or my energy or my finance or my marriage. doesn't matter. You don't have to say what it is, but you're just acknowledging in this moment, God, help me get back in order. God, you see all of these hands raised and I thank you for the honesty in the room. God, I thank you that it's when we begin to acknowledge where we are out of order that we begin to find your order. And God, I pray over this house that there will be a fresh sense of alignment, alignment in mission, alignment in vision, alignment with the Aaron and hers and the Moses and the Joshua, alignment in the call and alignment in the commission. God, I pray for alignment financially and emotionally and relationally and spiritually. God, let there be just a sense of order and restoration because God, when we seek first You and we seek first Your Kingdom, all of that stuff follows. So God, help today the marriage and the child and the person that's wrestling in an area of their ego or pride. God, I pray we would lay it at Your feet today. God, take over. Right where you are, you can just lower your hands, keep your eyes closed. I'm gonna ask one more thing. If you're here today and you say, my life is out of order because God is not in charge. He's the top button. If you're the captain of your ship, you're out of order. If you're the one that makes all the decisions without Him having the final say, you're out of order. Maybe you're a prodigal in here and you're like, well, I I ran from Him, but you gotta get your life back in order where He's your first love, not your last thought. Maybe you came in today and you're like, I don't know God in that way, but I know that I can't do this on my own anymore. Jesus came to help you get your life back in order. So if you today need that, you need to ask Jesus, come back and be the main thing, be the first thing. Then right now in this room, as eyes are closed, just lift your hands so that's me today. I need to get my salvation in order. I need to get my walk with God in order. So good, so many hands, just keep them up. Just raise them up and say, that's me today. That's the decision I know I need to make today. I've been chasing other stuff, but God, I need to put you back in order. I need you to be my first thought and my last thought. I need you to get my best time, not the leftovers of my time. I want you first, God. God, you see all of these hands raised right now. God, I pray today that this will be a day of salvation. God, I pray today that every hand that's raised will be a life that surrenders. That God, today you would forgive every sin, that you would wipe every tear, that you would cleanse every slate. That God, your grace would flow as you become first love in these people's lives. God, I thank you today that eternity is theirs, that grace is theirs, that in You are all of the things that they may ever need. So God, they put You first today and we thank You for it in Jesus' Name. And all God's people said, Amen. You know what we're gonna do now? We're gonna worship. We're not gonna worship like it's a warm-up. We're not gonna worship like it's a leftover. We're gonna worship like it's a top button. 
We're about to give Him all our praise and all our glory and all our adoration because He deserves it. Some of you are worshipping your job and worshipping your stuff. No, we're going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So come on, let's lift our hands and let's lift our voice and let's just worship. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.